With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Papas and Olivia Harlan Decker. Welcome back to Unleashed from the King of Sportsbooks by BetMGM. We are going to get into NFL preseason headlines as we get into the final week of the preseason. A lot to talk about. And then we have NFL legend, Hall of Famer, James Lofton. He is such a great storyteller. He's hilarious. You are going to want to catch this interview. And then we're going to tell you how to win $500 in credit for BetMGM. Three lucky winners. Get that. We're going to tell you how in a bit. At the end, we wrap it all up with Peter Andrew from BetMGM. He will tell us our Lions locks as we go into the weekend of NFL games. Giannis Pappas, my co-host, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I was just listening to all that we're offering this episode. And I was just sitting there going, damn, we're good. That is a <laughs> lot of good stuff. Yeah, were I you mean, taking notes? You're giving away money. We we got Hall of Fame guests. We got me. We got you. We got the NFL. I mean, what more do these people want? Is I what don't I'm know. To say. What more do these people want? And this is why you tell your wife that this podcast takes three hours to record, right? So that she leaves you alone for three hours. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Being a new dad is a 24 hour job. And so whenever I tell her this podcast is about to record, I tell her, yeah, it's a four hour ordeal. And then I just sit down here and I just sit down here and stare at a wall and take a nice breather. <laughs> so you've been married longer than me. I, I'm learning these things. I should take notes. That's good. Yeah. You know, you got to go to the bathroom. You spend a little extra time in the bathroom. That's your alone time is the bathroom. That's like, <laughs> you know, I'll say I have to do number two when I only have to do number one. And okay. I'll just sit here and, yeah. I'll <laughs> scroll on the phone. These are little tips that you can, that's the break you get. And you make the other person do a little bit more parenting. No, it's you're a little, just a- you're opening my eyes up to what Sam does now. Now I get it. Exactly. Now you know what he's doing in there. <laughs> I mean, nobody goes in there without their phone. We all stay a little longer than we should because of the phone. But when you have a kid, those few moments turn into another half hour. I mean, I'm I can't so, feel my legs, but it's fine. I'm so uncomfortable. I hate body humor. I get so <laughs> uncomfortable. I'm like beat red. <laughs> 
<laughs> I saw that. You were you, like, okay, Jesus Christ. You have found my Achilles heel. This is where like the buck stops here. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Only, only for guys. Women don't do that. You guys don't. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. And it's now you a, have a daughter. A, so you really know, you know, the truth. <laughs> I know the truth. It's a magical fairy comes mm-hmm. and you don't even need to use the uh, restroom. <laughs> oh you my God. Can we talk about sports? We can. I thought we were. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm dying. I'm dying. Okay. U.S. Open. Giannis is back this week. It was canceled last year. They are back at Flushing Meadows. It begins this weekend. Um, There are no spectators, actually, until the main draw. Again, that begins this weekend. The singles draw begins tonight, Thursday. Main draw begins August 30th. There's a lot to keep up with. I think something that's really significant is prize money in the U.S. Open this year is bigger than ever, but it's down for the winner of both singles events. They're going to earn 35% less than in 2019, despite the overall prize money is going up, like I said. So the prize money for qualifying and the first three rounds of the main draw, that's what's going up if you're doing the math. But again, the winners, $2.5 million is what the winner of both singles events will win. It was $3 million the last time it was played and 3.85 million two years ago. What do you think? Would you even get out of bed for $2.5 million? Uh, who would get out of bed for that <laughs> little amount of money? That's insane. 2.5. That's what can you even buy with that? That'll get you like <laughs> a studio apartment in Manhattan. No good. No good. That's not enough money to no. play in uh for two weeks that's you wouldn't crazy. even get off the toilet for that much money i would not get off the toilet for that money i sh- <laughs> i really would not i you know it's funny that there'd be no fans um i often wonder if the tennis players get self-conscious about their grunts because they ha- they don't have the you know there's no fans i mean there's they're quiet anyway but at least with the people in the stadium it kind of it softens it a little bit now you hear the full ah yeah and so uh yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to hear there should be we should bet on who is going to grunt and who's not. That's a big part of tennis. Let's talk to Peter Andrew later if we can add that on betmgm.com. That'd be a good one. Yeah. that's It's such a gentleman or gentlewoman sport. It's funny because like it, they're quiet during every play. So you can't curse. You can't mm-hmm. say any, you know, anything is, uh, is highlighted. It's like, you, even if you like, you get damn people are like, what is wrong with that guy? Is he crazy? <laughs> it's like, he's allowed to show a little emotion. No, I've gotten to cover tennis up close and personal and it is, it's, there's so much attention on it and it's such a different sport in person than on TV. I've never been to a U.S. Open, but that's, that's on my bucket list. And there are so many good storylines this year, like Novak Djokovic, he's trying to win his first calendar year Grand Slam. If he does, he'd be the first to do so since 1969. It would also set a record. It'd be his 21st major singles championship. That is incredible. He is the favorite at minus 135 on BetMGM right now. Rafael Nadal is out with a foot injury. He is not competing. So kind of with those odds, do you like the Joker? I do like the Joker, especially since he's kind of rested a little bit. I think he had maybe some injuries Mm -hmm. that were plaguing him during the Olympics. And um, this this has been the I'm a huge tennis fan. And this era has been incredible because you're watching the three, I think, the three best tennis players of all time play in their prime at the same time against each other. And it's funny because Djokovic, he everyone always talks about Federer and Nadal. But, you know, yeah, like you just said, 
Joker's about to get 21. We know he's going to get it. He could be the first one to win the Grand Slam in the calendar year since Rod Laver in 69. And he's got a winning record against both those guys, I, I believe now. So it's like, except for on clay. You, so you can say Nadal is the best by far on clay mm-hmm. of all time. But overall, we may be looking at the GOAT right now. And he doesn't get the credit because he doesn't have that. I guess he's a little bit more. He's not that gentleman like we were talking about, like <laughs> like Rafa and, and Federer. You know, he, he comes from a war-torn country and he's a little... He's a little harder. He's a little more competitive. And I, I'm very excited to see. And he's he's the favorite by a lot. But, you know, yeah. that's the great thing about tennis is anything can happen. And the, those three, Medvedev, and Tsitsipos, the Greek, my countrymen, those are the three that could give him problems. So it's it's fun to watch. I agree. I agree. Over to the women's side, Naomi Osaka. She's the defending women's champion. She's seeking her fifth Grand Slam title. She won at Flushing Meadows twice, actually. However, Ash Barty is the favorite to win at plus 400 at BetMGM. Naomi is right behind her at plus 500. I wouldn't bet on Osaka at the U.S. Open this year, and here's why. She's never defended her title the following year. She recently fell in the third round in Cincinnati, also a third round exit in Tokyo. She's an incredible hardcore talent. There's no denying her talent. She's going through so much right now in front of the world. I wouldn't trade places with her for the world, but I think plus 500 is too big a risk for Osaka right now. What do you think? I agree with you. It's too, she's a little unpredictable. I don't think she's really coming to her own as the dominant player she could be yet. You know, she's got, like you said, other stuff going on. She hasn't gone on that streak yet that like, like the Joker, like Serena, Nadal at the French, where it's like, sure thing. Like, you just don't know. It's a toss up. So yeah, and you also got to throw Coco in there. Mm-hmm. Coco could take anybody out at any time. So I'm putting my money on Coco. I like Coco. Coco. Puffs. Yep. Yeah. And she's plus so, 1600. Yeah. So you could win a lot of money betting on her and she's playing well. So, and she could take out anyone at any time. She's got the home, she'll have the home field advantage. So let's go Coco. I like that. Serena Williams also playing. She's plus 1400. So I think when you're putting your money on some of these bets, and we're going to talk to Peter Andrew about it later, but look at some of those second tier, the second line on the website, as I'm looking at it now, look at some of those. And I don't know. I don't think you sleep on Serena Williams ever. Yeah. You can never sleep on her, especially at the U S open. You know, it's just me being a dad, her being a mom. I know when I, when I go and do stand up now, I don't know if I'm giving a hundred percent. I don't know if I can give a hundred percent. Yeah. She's a (laughs) full-time mom. It's tough. She's the, she's the legend. She's the goat. You can never count her out though. For sure. For sure. Yep. You know, I know you've been watching a lot of boxing and the Manny Pacquiao fight. He's 42 years old. He lost to Jordanes Ugas and he had cramping in both legs. That's kind of what he blamed it on. Um, I know there was some last minute scheduling with this. You're a boxing guru. So walk me through that. How did this whole fight come to be and why was it more last minute? He, he took it on last minute. I, I don't know the details of why he took it early. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what, hap- what happened there, but uh, not too early. I mean, they had a training camp and everything like that. Like you said, he's 42. Not only is he 42, he's got a lot of fights. He has a lot of miles, a lot of long fights, a lot of miles. He's also a senator in his country. He's thinking about a presidential run. He also sings horribly. Oh. So you ever hear him sing? I mean, no. he's kind of, you, you don't expect that. Yeah, he puts out like pop songs in the Philippines. <laughs> They're very funny. And um, for, a, for a boxer, you know, he sings pretty good. But he's got a lot of interests and a lot of miles on him. And I think this fight, Definitely showed that it's time 
to uh, to hang up the gloves and go full time singer, full time president. I mean, he's doing everything in the Philippines, but he's a legend, and uh, it catches up with everybody, especially in boxing. And that he was able to go as long as he did, I think, and he and he has is great. He said it's sixty forty, right? So he said he's still thinking about it that he may continue. So he's 60% considering retiring, 40% considering coming back and fighting. I think he should just do the super fight, fight one of the Paul brothers. Why not? Get one more big payday, and then he can buy the Philippines. Well, we don't have a clip of him singing, but we do have a clip of him talking about the odds of his retirement. Let's play that now. How will this performance influence your decision to either come back to the ring or retire? Right now... Probably thinking about retirement. I don't know. I'm not uh, closing this. Uh, it's not a percentage. It's 60-40. So it is the last week of the NFL preseason. So I always think if you want to have fun betting, do it in the preseason when anything can happen. You never know who's playing. You never know what they're playing for. The lines are all over the place, but it's a lot of fun. So make sure to check out betmgm.com to see the weekend's lines. So this last week of the preseason started Monday night with a two point victory for the new Orleans saints hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. The reason this game was important is because both teams are trying to figure out their starting quarterback for new Orleans. It's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, Winston all, but put it away. He was incredible. He got the start. He aired it out two deep passes to Marquez Callaway. One was in the air for 53 yards. That was incredible. And Saints with two good options at quarterback now. I don't know why everyone's making such a big deal about who starts. Jameis seems to be head and shoulders above Taysom, but in such a different way. He's such a different quarterback. He's a true quarterback. And then bring in Taysom as kind of your trick play guy, your goal line package guy. So again, it's August. It's much ado about nothing, but I think the Saints found their starter. BetMGM has the Saints win total at 9.5. I would definitely play that, especially as Michael Thomas is supposed to make his return early in the season. That offense should be dynamic. Over with the Jaguars, they're also figuring out their quarterback between number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. Again, it seems very obvious from a fan's perspective. Pick the talent, pick the young guy. No one's expecting the Jaguars to be good this season, so might as well let your quarterback get his teeth wet. What's get his teeth phrase? wet. Get his feet wet. But you know, getting uh, your teeth wet, yeah, okay. you gotta get your teeth. You have to hydrate. <laughs> Well, another big loss to Jacksonville, though, in this week was that they lost their first round rookie running back, Travis Etienne. He's out indefinitely with a foot sprain. He shattered all ACC rushing records during his time at Clemson. Obviously, he played there with Trevor Lawrence. They are comfortable. That would have been entertainment and probably some good football, if not for the sake of winning some games. But it's an indefinite timetable. So that's the update on the Jags. Looking forward to this weekend, the Bears did name Andy Dalton, the week one starter, to many people's dismay. Giannis, have you seen people grumbling about this? I haven't. I have not seen. And I don't know why. You're right. It's preseason. They want to just get a, you know, you want to get different looks. You want to see, Mm -hmm. you know, get everybody warmed up. So I don't understand. Well, I think they're going to go with Dalton. He's the experience, but everyone likes Justin Fields. You're going to see both on Saturday. They play at the Tennessee Titans. So that's, again, a perk of preseason. You get to see what's out there. San Francisco last week, we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo as the starter, but Kyle Shanahan, the coach, is being pretty awkward about confirming that. They host Las Vegas on Sunday. And then the Patriots, you have the Cam versus Mac palindrome debacle. Have you heard that? The CAM versus MAC. 
I haven't, but I get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're with me. You got it. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm Calendrum. with you too. With get, I'm, I'll be with you always. Okay. I'm your co-host. When you say get your teeth wet, I'm there to back you up. Yes, that's an expression. <laughs> I love it. But Belichick did name Cam Newton the starter, but basically says he has to earn it every week. So again, that's the big storyline in this last week of the preseason. So for me, I'm circling every game with a quarterback debate. The Patriots play the Giants Sunday night at five. They're a three and a half point favorite. And that's actually gone up a little bit as this week has gone on. So those are the games that matter if you're trying to place your money somewhere. I'd love to hear what Mr. Andrew has to say about all these factors that we're talking about with these QBs and what 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 are the lines Peter let's find out a lot to talk about there but first we have a really good guest this week I am so excited to bring in James Lofton Hall of Famer he's an LA native Stanford alum he won the national championship at Stanford in the long jump obviously he played college football there drafted sixth overall in 1978 by the Packers he's an eight-time pro bowler played in three Super Bowls with the Bills And in 2003, he was inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, of course, the Packer Hall of Fame, where they've also retired his jersey. From there, he's gone on to coach, and now he's in media. There's so much to get to with James Lofton. So without further ado, let's bring in the Hall of Famer. So, James, we are so glad you are on with us today. And I bet for your sake, you're kind of glad to have another Harlan to talk with, right? (laughs) <laughs> of course. Uh, although I wonder if there will be a gloved catch during this period. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We actually had my dad on the podcast and then recently we were talking with the NFL films crew and he was talking about when he was a ball boy with the Packers, when you were a player and he said you would give the ball boys a tough time. Do you remember any of those stories? You know, the stories don't have to be accurate to be good. <laughs> No, that's true. I am I am positive that I did not give the ball boys a hard time. If mm. anything, I probably engage with them more than anybody else. <laughs> well, I know he speaks so fondly of that time. That was a lot of fun. And then how ironic to grow up, both of you in your careers, after your time with the Bills and coaching, now you're in media and you all are calling Packer preseason games together. What's it like going back to do those games at Lambeau? I saw you tweeted the other day, your retired number, forever immortalized in the stadium. That must be a pretty cool feeling. It is a kick, but I will, I will tell you this. When and I hear... Kevin Harlan doing a basketball game, I get the immediate urge to text him because I, I just, you, you feel that connection when there's somebody that you've worked with, somebody that you're friends with, especially, and they are, you know, doing these marquee events. It's just hard not to want to reach out and say, Hey, what's up? <laughs> Is your dad like that in real life? I see Does he like call what he's doing in the house with that much fervor? No, in fact, you know, he has four kids, three of them are girls, and we laugh sometimes at the dinner table, we're all talking a mile a minute, and he's been quiet for about 30 minutes, and we'll say, well, dad, what do you think? And he's like, I have no idea what the hell you guys are talking about. You talk so fast on that. And James, you're a father and grandfather. Do you ever feel like that, that you kind of play second fiddle to your wife, Beverly? Well, I remember when my kids were young, and now they're all in their 30s. But we used to play a game that I really enjoyed when I was driving, and it was called the quiet game. <laughs> and we wanted to see how long the kids could be quiet in the car because 
I, I'm not a big talker, even though I talk for a living. And like your dad, he's probably not just a big talker naturally, but he enjoys the event. Mm -hmm. So when you are that type of person and, and you're not a talkative person, you actually enjoy a little bit of quiet now and then. Well, James, I know you're a very hands-on father and grandfather. I just saw you last week. You're showing me pictures of the grandkids. Such a beautiful family. What's your advice to Giannis as a first-time dad now to a little girl? That could take on more than just one segment because <laughs> what you really want to do, you want to be able to cast yourself into the future. Anytime there's a little hiccup, you know, when the, the diaper explodes, when the milk gets teetered over and say, what, what a wonderful moment that actually was 18, Aww. 19 years ago, because you don't get those moments over. And so you want to cherish every moment that you really can as a father. Yeah, I've realized uh, as a father, there's a lot of audibles you got to call. You have a play, <laughs> things are supposed to go a certain way, and the diaper explodes, and you really got to go off the cuff. You were talking about the silent treatment in the car, seeing how long the kids no, can be not, silent. No, not the, not the silent treatment, the silent game. The silent game, I'm it's, sorry. It's a game because yes. you, you want to challenge your kids, you know, that you, that you don't get to talk until you see a yellow Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> and you know how rare those are nowadays. <laughs> very rare. Very rare. Uh, on the field, how much talking did you do? How much trash talking goes on between the cornerback and the wide receiver when you're in game? I think there's a lot more going on now because the, I think the kids who are playing now are much more aware that they are on camera. That they are you, because even within their own stadium, they're going to be on camera on the replay. So when I played, that was a lot different. You know, television didn't really factor into how we played the game. And now it does with instant replays, with reviews, with challenges. Everybody can see almost every play. You see players after plays over, gazing up at the scoreboard, looking to see what the last play was. Was the blocking assignment right? Did I run my pattern right? So they are acutely aware of what's going on. And they do tend to chirp at one another a lot more than we did in my day. What else do you feel like is a big difference from your day to kids now? And I say kids, you know, they're grown men in the NFL, yeah. of course, yeah. but, but there's so much different off the field. What do you feel like translates most on the field when you look at the differences in time? Well, I, I think you wanted to get to know players. When we went back to Green Bay this last week, I went by my old neighbor's house mm -hmm. and I actually got to go into the house that I used to live in. Wow. And it's been remodeled about three or four times. So, you know, the, the butts and goads of it were, were kind of uh, the same, but everything else was different. And I think it's the same way in football. The, the game is the same. You're, you're playing on the same size field, different things like that. But the rules have been tweaked just enough from the late 90s to the way the game is played now. And I even played in the late 70s. So when you even look at the players, a big offensive lineman used to be a 265-pound guy. Now that's mm -hmm. a small tight end. So mm -hmm. just the physicality of the game is different. And like you said, we get to know the players a little more off the field through their own social media. So you, you, you have a kind of a feeling of what they're like as people and what their thoughts are about. What was it like uh, for you playing in Green Bay? I mean, were you prepared for that level of cold? coming from where you came from? Yeah, I came from Southern California. And so what I had to do is I had to redefine what the word cold meant. <laughs> because, because as a kid from California, cold is when it's 50 degrees. 
Right. And it's going to be cold and you got to bundle up and do all this kind of stuff. And 50 degree day in Green Bay is a reason to wear shorts. So <laughs> it, 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 it was a lot different. But I, I really took it as a badge of honor to try and play well in the cold weather. And uh, I remember the very first cold practice we had, we were standing out on the old AstroTurf field outside and my fingers were just numb. I didn't have on gloves and Bart Starr handed me one of those little tiny hand heaters. And he said, here, this will help. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, no, it's not helping. <laughs> <laughs> what would be helping is if we move this stadium to Southern California. Uh, that would help. <laughs> that, that might have helped a little bit. <laughs> James, you brought up Bart Starr. That's, you know, as big a Packer player as there is in history. What are some of your memories of him as you as you think about your time together? Oh, I have I have so many memories about Bart. I even have like a little uh, placard in my den that Bart and Cherry gave us after we got married. Wow. And to, to paraphrase, it says, do not look for perfection in your mate for you will not find it. And it goes on and on and on. It says a couple other real rosy things. But so he's somebody I think about every day. Mm -hmm. And I also try and pattern a little bit of my life over one of his other sayings, because he said, you can judge the true measure of a man by how he treats someone who can do nothing for him. And when when I say that, I still get chills because I can remember sitting in the St. Norbert's auditorium during training camp when he said that. And he was re relaying it to something else that was going on because we were keeping the locker room a little messy and we, we weren't throwing trash in the trash can. We weren't throwing the laundry in the laundry bins. And he said, you can tell the true measure of a man by how he treats someone who can do nothing for him. And that just still rings in my soul. Kind of on that note, in a nostalgia mindset, uh, every year going to Canton for the Hall of Fame induction must be a very special part of the year for you. What were your impressions this year? Well. This year, because it was doubled up, you right. had lost 2020, which was a huge class of 20 people. And then the 2021 class was going to be eight people. So now you have to account for 28 people. And not only 28 people, but their family and their friends, their entourages, the clubs that come to see them. So during the course of the weekend, it seemed like things were going fast forward. Mm -hmm. You would see somebody who was associated with a player or a coach that was going in or an administrator and go, okay, you're here to see that person. And they go, no, I'm actually here to see so-and-so. <laughs> and, and so it was just this ball of confusion, but it sure. was a good ball of confusion. <laughs> Do you have to have a great memory to be an NFL player? Because there's so many guys on the team. <laughs> have you ever run into any problems remembering anyone who's on your team? <laughs> With, without a doubt. And, and not even that. For me, having been a player, a coach, and a broadcaster, there's a blurred line between, was that guy my teammate? Did I, did I coach him? Or did I just call games that he played in? And there have been a couple players that, that the answer to that, yes, all three. So I've had teammates. I've had guys that I ended up coaching who were also my teammates. And, and it was funny, when I was coaching with the San Diego Chargers, every week you give your players a, a test on different assignments and things like that. And then I give them an oddball test. And I told them, on this San Diego Chargers team, there are two players that were my teammates. Who were they? So 
So they start scrambling around. They find the media guide. Steve Christie, who was a kicker for the Chargers, was also a kicker in Buffalo and was a kicker while I was there in Buffalo. They can't figure out the next person. I said, I said you guys have to figure it out. I'm not going to tell you. Weeks go by. Months go by. Finally, they're going, tell us who the last person was because we cannot figure it out. We've looked. We've talked to guys around the locker room. Nobody knows. I go, okay. Junior, say out. They go, wait a minute. You didn't play for the Chargers. No. The last Pro Bowl that I played in, Junior Seau was on my team. We were teammates. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. They didn't think well, about the Pro Bowl. They did not think about that. Oh, that's funny. Speaking of all, all your Pro funny. Bowl trips, eight times named a Pro Bowler, who were some players that you never got a chance to play with on a team outside of there that really left an impression on you? Who's someone who just made you laugh, made you think about the game different, something like that? Well, the, the quarterbacks were always uh, front and center. And the very first Pro Bowl that I played in, and, and I still get a kick out of saying this, my two quarterbacks were Roger Staubach wow. and Archie Manning. Wow. The, you know, the other Manning, not Peyton or Eli, but the other Manning. So right. that was always pretty neat. And, and I remember one trip back from Aloha Stadium back to the Hilton Hawaiian Village, which is about a 30-minute bus ride. I sat down next to Joe Theismann, and I remember saying, hey, Joe. And then he proceeded to talk for the next 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) He has the gift of gab where he just kept going and going. And he was talking about all his future plans and what he planned to do. And you know what? He accomplished most of them. What are you you looking for this upcoming season? Who are some of your favorites going in, some of your favorites at your position? Well, when when you say favorites, all of a sudden, the former teams that you played for crop up. You know, this week in the preseason, when we're uh, filming this, Buffalo and Green Bay are playing. Yeah. Naturally, those are two teams that are right on that Super Bowl cusp that are expect to be at least in the AFC and NFC championship games. So that'd be great. Uh, another former team, the Raiders, are opening up a brand new stadium. And it's interesting, their stadium last year was brand new, but Mark Davis, the owner, decided if the fans can't go, I'm not even going to the game. And so they're starting out on Monday Night Football this year, and so a lot of excitement there. In, in terms of players, there are just so many. And the, the thing that, especially from my position, everybody wants to know who's the best receiver. And it varies ever so slightly from week to week. It's kind of like the uh, PGA, Professional Golf Association. The number one ranked player in the world fluctuates depending upon what place he was in and this and that. So Mm -hmm. if you really want, there are probably 10 really great receivers, more so than there were in the 70s and 80s and 90s because teams just throw the ball so much. They're so proficient at throwing it, and people practice it a lot more than they ever used to. What makes a great receiver? You always hear about the prototype, 6'3", 6'4", what he can run. But then you see guys like Julian Edelman, who aren't that prototype, who put up big numbers, who are very resourceful. What is it that makes a great receiver? So in part of your question, you kind of answered it because you said big numbers. And not only do you put up big numbers, but you put up important numbers. And in addition to that, the other team cannot stop you. 
So I, I used to say it was the four S's. Let, let me see if I got this right. Size, speed, strength, and skill. Yeah, it, it, yeah, four. So I, w- I was right. And so you can have guys of different sizes, different speeds. A guy that, I, that comes off the tongue first is probably Devontae Adams because he doesn't have a Robin to go along with him that is of significance. The, the second receivers for the Green Bay Packers are all decent players, but they don't have a second receiver who's catching 65 or 70 passes. It's Devontae Adams is about 120. And so if you're the defense and you go into the game and you go, we have to stop Devontae Adams. And corner after corner, linebacker after linebacker, safety after safety sliding in that direction, they can't stop Devontae Adams. So is it Devontae Adams is unstoppable? Or is it unstoppable where you can't stop Aaron Rodgers from getting him the ball? So it's it's that combination between the two. And when you mentioned Julian Edelman, he had Tom Brady thrown to him, and you couldn't stop Tom Brady from throwing the ball to Julian Edelman. So you look around the league, and there are a lot of guys like that who can dominate and dictate the course of a game. James, sticking with the Packers, and you brought up Aaron Rodgers, I think players from your generation have a hard time grasping um, the how much money they're making. No, oh. the money they're making, uh, the demands they're making, the kind of hot and cold. Recently, Aaron Rodgers said he was 50-50 on even playing this season. What was your take on the whole thing as someone so close with the Packers and covering them this preseason? You, you know, I, I watched it kind of develop, and I knew that there was a drop dead day mm-hmm. and that drop dead day was kind of like when training camp started. And so everything that you were talking about had, you had to drop at that point and you had to resolve it because I really believe that Aaron Rodgers wanted to play mm-hmm. and has a desire to play and loves playing. And as good a host as he was on jeopardy, I think he realized that that could wait. Yeah. Something like that could wait in football. Normally, once you walk away, you don't get to come back. You know, occasionally a guy gets to come back and comes back a year later and he finds out that, yeah, I should have just stayed retired. So for Aaron Rodgers, you know, he has this other guy out there who's running the ultra marathon and and Tom Brady. And I think Tom is, is Tom 44 this year? Is he 43 right now? We've kind of forgotten how old Tom Brady is because it's, it's not part of the discussion. Once he turned 40, and then after you continue to play past 40, you, want, you go, huh, well, maybe he can play until he's 50. Mm-hmm. The, the rules allow for quarterbacks not to get hit as much or as often, but they still get hit. And for Aaron Rodgers, I'm just glad that he's back in uniform and uh, we get to watch him play for one, two, three, four more years. What do you think has to happen this season in Green Bay for him to stay longer? I think for them to uh, back up the Brinks truck a little more. And I think, I think it's money. Yeah. And a little bit of money is power. There's been some discussion that he didn't have, you know, say on who's on the roster. And I can totally understand that from a general manager's perspective or from a head coach's perspective, because players get attached to other players for different reasons. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's because a player's a good player. Sometimes it's because he's a good friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good fishing buddy or something like that. And you want that guy around. And sometimes, you know, they have to make tough decisions. The the coaches and the general manager do. See, I don't think it's money. I, I think what you said, he wanted more say. I think he was blindsided by the LaFleur hire, which seems 
crazy to me because it fits him so well. He's an offensive coach. He's a young guy. I, I feel like the Packers are doing as much as they can to make Aaron comfortable. But as a Packer fan myself, it's just tough to watch the whole thing unfold. So the point of my question was, is it Super Bowl or bust, do you think, to get Aaron to want to stay in Green Bay? I think it's going to be hard to duplicate the yeah. last two years where they've been 13 and three. They've been an offensive juggernaut because so much is out of control. Yeah. Last year, the Kansas City Chiefs were by far the best team during the regular season. They lose both their offensive tackles before the Super Bowl, and they look like a team does during the preseason where they can't protect the quarterback. So if you can stay healthy, if everybody can stay healthy, you can, you can have a chance to do those things, but it's hard to replicate mm -hmm. uh, year after year. Giannis, did you know you were on a Packer home podcast? <laughs> I did not. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, yeah, I feel like I should have a cheese head on right now. You look good in a cheese head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to ask you this question. Everyone nowadays are, is obsessed with goat lists. Greatest of all time yeah. list. Wide receiver. If you had to pick five all time, who are your five all-time greatest wide receivers? Well, see, the, the toughest thing is that the receiver who I put number one, I've never seen him play. I've seen some grainy footage of him, and that would be Don Hudson. Oh. Because when Don Hudson played, but the, the Bears had a Sid Luckman, a Hall of Fame quarterback. There was a year that Don Hudson had more receiving yards and Sid Luckman had passing yards. Wow. Transfer that to today's game. There's a receiver who just had 5,000 yards in receptions during the year. How good would he be? I mean, what would, what would he look like? He'd look like, I guess he'd look like Don Johnson running through a bunch of Kevin Hart's. But <laughs> right. so you, you take Don Hudson and you put him number one on the list because he kind of invented the passing game. And then I think you, you, you really have to look at guys who, played before the Super Bowl era. And just because the game was different, they didn't have sticky gloves. They didn't have field turf oh. to play on. So it's, it's, it's different. So I, I, I hate doing it. Since you're, you're not there to twist my arm, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> right. There you but go. I would, you know, I, I, would be, I, I would be number six. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you can put yourself number one, too. I mean, no, I just put, put myself at number six. You know, just like when they had the 100 greatest NFL players, I was right. 101. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. Well, this weekend, you are calling Packers at Bills, your two former teams you've brought up. Yes. If it were a regular season game that mattered, Ooh. who would you cheer for? Yeah. Am, I, am I broadcasting the game? You're or not am broadcasting. I, what, what am I doing? Is the game just going on? Yep, you're not broadcasting. I don't know. You know, I, I feel like I know Aaron Rodgers a little more than I know Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was funny. The first time I ran into Aaron Rodgers, off the field was, was here in San Diego. Really? And he had played, he was in about his fifth year. And I saw him, he was at LaDainian Tomlinson's golf tournament. And I'm looking at him going, hmm, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> because he had only started one or two years at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm going, I think that's, nah, I don't, I'm not sure. I think that's Aaron Rodgers. And I went over and I said, hi, I'm James Loft. And he goes, hi, oh, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I, oh, of course. I forgot that you lived out here. So, you know, those associations don't go away easily. Mm -hmm. I have been invited by the Packers twice to announce players at the NFL draft. 
and I am two for two. And when I say two for two, we're talking about grand slams, out of the park, oh. longest home run ever hit. I don't know Elton who these Jenkins. Are. Oh yeah, Elton Jenkins, Mississippi State, and Devonte Adams. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty good. So, grand slams of, knocked it out of the park. I don't know why the Packers do not have me do it every year. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, you need to you need to talk to him about that. That's pretty good. Yeah. This is always something that has interested me, and I've never asked any player or former player this question, but uh, uh, especially uh, uh, briefs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you know? Yes. <laughs> I took you as a boxer to, brief guy. That used to always be the, the question, the briefs or boxes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When you're when the game comes down to it, right? Yes. Uh, when it comes down to a final play and it's on the foot of a field goal kicker. Yes. How does that feel? Like is that do you know, do you feel like you want to be out there to to win the game or do you feel like it's anticlimactic that it ends up being on a guy who doesn't play the whole game and then comes in and determines the game. But you know what? Nobody plays the whole game. Good you know, point. Everybody, everybody's out there in their particular time and doing their thing. And, and I was really fortunate early in my career. We had Jan Stenrud come to green Bay and he came there and he was there during the 1982 season. Maybe he was there as early as 81 and might've stayed to 83 or 84. But here's a guy who played in the 60s, played in the 60s. And so when he came to Green Bay, he was already like older than everybody else on the team. And I remember we ran wind sprints after practice where you run over and back, over and back. And you basically ran 200 yards and you run about four of those. Well, Jan Stenrud ran with the receivers, And he beat wow. half the guys. You know, the other guys... Would, would say, oh, well, we've been practicing all day and he's just coming over to run. But he had been a ski jumper. He was a terrific athlete. So right then and there, the thing about, oh, them not being good athletes, well, you go out and try and kick the ball. That That's right. an athletic skill. Mm-hmm. So I, I've never, you know, looked at the kicker as the guy who's less than anybody else on the roster. Wow, okay. James, I have just one more for you as we look back at what? your whole career. What? I got plenty of time. <laughs> oh, okay. We love hearing that. Love hearing that. You get one question to look back on my whole career. Yeah, that's it. This has got, this has got to be a doozy then. <laughs> no, and, and I want to focus on the coaching part, that whole chapter okay. after you played. I think as the season begins, and we had Ron Jaworski on last week, and he said he mm-hmm. was a proponent that no coach should have been fired last year because of Ooh. all the difficulties that COVID presented. And I, I, I can definitely appreciate that. What do fans not know about the coaching carousel? Cause I I've seen glimpses of it from my background covering the league and being around my, my dad and my grandpa. It's a very tough gig on the person, on the individual, on the family. Um, co- coaching is a, is a tough line of work. What do fans need to know going into a new football season about what it's like to be a coach? I think that they they work a lot longer hours than than you really could imagine. Mm-hmm. I remember going to my first coaching interview, and it was right after I retired, and, and I didn't take the job. And Ted Marcher-Broda was the offensive coordinator. Well, no, I take that back. He was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. And he had been my offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills. And, and Ted, <laughs> I just love, he was, he's kind of like your grandfather. You know, he's soft-spoken, very nice. And he'd go, 
he would always, whenever he talked to me, he'd go, uh, Jim, I, I mean, James, I mean, I do mean James. He said, we don't work long hours here. He said, Monday through Thursday, we work from six to 11. And Friday, you're home by dinner by eight o'clock. And I went, did he just say six to 11? 6 a.m. to 11 6 p.m. 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Monday yeah. through Thursday. And Friday, you're home by dinner by eight o'clock. Mm. And I thought to myself, yeah. So I didn't take the job. I did take the job almost 10 years later. Wow. And it was interesting when I had a chance to interview for a head coaching job and you go in and you, you give the person that you're you know talking to your schedule. And, and I said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, I have some unique views about the hours that coaches work. And I said, Monday after a game, we're out of the office at six o'clock. I don't want to see the coaches back in the office until 10 a.m. Tuesday morning. We'll work until 10 p.m. that night. If we can't come up with a game plan for our next opponent and a game plan that is really 85% repetitive because you're, you're just adding a few things that are specific to the team that you're about to face. Mm -hmm. If we can't come up with a game plan in 12 hours, we don't need to be coaching. Wow. And, and the person looked at me, stuck their teeth a little bit, goes, I don't like that. I want to have my coaches in their offices, and I want them there burning the midnight oil. Wow. And I said, when you burn the midnight oil, all you do is run out of oil. And so I really believe that coaches need to be fresh. Uh, and I see my friends who are assistant coaches now late in the season in October and November. And they look like they haven't slept since June. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough job. And you sacrifice a lot of time being away from your family. My, uh, my daughter, my youngest, who was really at home when I was doing all the coaching, the boys were kind of off in college. Said you, you just never got to meet any of my friends. Mm, and and wow. that was like, Oh, you know, hitting below the belt, but it was, it was honest. Well, I'm glad you answered that. I think a lot of people are so tough on coordinators and position coaches, yeah. especially because they don't know what all goes on behind the scenes. So thanks for answering that. James Lofton, Hall of Famer. This was a true treat. You can catch him on CBS, NFL Sundays, Westwood One. That's where we've gotten to share the airwaves together. That was a lot of fun. And doing Packer preseason right now on Packer TV Network. And some of them are airing on NFL Network. You can keep up with him on Twitter as well. James, thanks so much for joining us. I thought you were going to say you can't get rid of him. <laughs> you also can't get rid of him. <laughs> well, Giannis was probably going to say that, so I said it before he did. Hey, well, you know... You said, we, you know, you got to be fresh. So we can keep you here all night. Like if you, you were still coaching, we can keep going oh, and bring them yeah. in oil. Yeah, that's not this how we great. were. You guys, you guys are great. You guys are a great pair together. Thank you. That was so much fun. Thank you, my friend. Tell Beverly we say hi. Thank you. I will. Thank you.
Well, we've got some cash to give away. In fact, three lucky winners are going to win $500 in credit for BetMGM. And here's how. So make sure you're paying attention. You've got to leave a review, whatever you want to say. We're going to pick our three favorites on Apple Podcasts. Giannis and I, we are going to scour the reviews and pick our favorite. You will win $500. We'll send you a DM. So look out for that. We're excited to give away some cash. But what are you going to do when you have it? Well, we're going to help you there too. We bring in Peter Andrew with BetMGM. Peter, how are you doing? Good. I'm not going to give any Giannis Olympic picks that are guaranteed to lose. So uh, we had a, we had a good week last week. We're going to pick yeah. some more winners for this week. Yeah, you said you think you you're five and zero right this now. Week. Yeah, I think I went five and zero. Olivia, we we talked about the Jets over the Packers, mm-hmm. so that was number one right there. Uh, Chiefs minus two and a half against mm-hmm. Arizona, another winner. Uh, Ravens, we talked about that winning streak. Minus three and a half. Check it off. Another winner. Bears, Bills over 38 and a half, which was a very high scoring game. Yes. Not what we expected with the Bills all over the place scoring, but that was a winner. And then my Niners minus four and a half. Uh, they were a winner against San Diego. If you got that line late, you were a loser because it went up to six. Mm. Uh, but, if you, but if you caught it at four and a half after listening to these three fine folks, uh, you went five and oh. You included yourself on three fine this folks. This is a podcast. Honest- yeah. Giannis, have you noticed he doesn't really remember that specifically when he loses? He had those ready. Yeah, I got to gas myself up at the right times and then I'll... He definitely emphasizes the wins for sure, but that's the way you do it. And hey, this is the podcast to listen to if you want to make some bucks. We got the guru right here. Well, it is the last weekend of the NFL preseason. You mentioned a high over-under last week. I'm looking at one at 38, Vikings Chiefs. Are you still the undertaker? Is 38 too high for your comfort there? Yeah, I do like an over today, but it's not that game. I just don't oh. know what to expect with those uh, with those teams. I don't know how much you're going to see that Chiefs potent offense. So I will probably take under there. Where I do like the over, I know we've talked about this before, is where there's QB controversy, where they're going to be playing a lot of the game. Niners, Raiders, uh, over 35 and a half. I think there's a big expectation that Jimmy and Trey Lance will play lots of the game. Uh, I know we still haven't announced a, uh, a quarterback yet in San Francisco. So I think Trey is going to continue to do everything he can, like last week, to put up some points on the board. Uh, So as long as those two are in the game, I expect it to be somewhat high scoring. They probably cover the three and a half as well. Um, So really like the over there. All right. Very nice. How about the U.S. Open? You paying attention to the U.S. Open at all? Is there any money to be made betting on anyone else besides Joker to win it? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's Joker's to lose. Uh, We obviously know he's going for the the calendar grand slam. I still like Berrettini again, who he happened to play in the Wimbledon final. Uh, Berrettini's plus 3,300. So I think if you're taking something, uh, you maybe balance it out. Take Joker minus 135, but also put a little money on the board. Try to try to risk it a bit. On the uh, on the women's side, it's probably Barty who I'm going with. She's plus 350. She is the favorite, but I think she's there for a reason. Uh, so I'm staying light for now. I think I need to see a couple of games. And of course, we can live bet it a bit as the tournament goes on and we see kind of where the performance lies across some of the others. From your perspective at the sports book, have you noticed Naomi Osaka's off-court publicity and storyline overall affecting her odds? Yeah, people are staying away. So mm-hmm. I think people are very careful. Uh, you know, of course, when some things happen and she ends up dropping out of a tournament, we do void some bets in, in specific instances. But I think people as a whole are just kind of careful and stay away. Uh, and it opens up, I think, for some of the maybe the longer shots to have a chance to jump in, especially on that part of the bracket where she would be as the one or the two or the three seed, et cetera. 
So um, it, it is weird, but I think that'll kind of subdue as we go on a little bit and we get through this little period. What's the line on Serena? Uh, Serena's plus 1,400. Uh, she's always someone there. I think she plays well uh, at Arthur Ashe, so that's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, again, I think she's just a little bit too overinflated in terms of where, where she is in, in the rankings. So that's typically why I stay away. Barty is just above and beyond better than most. So that's why plus 350, I think, is, is the move. You mentioned Djokovic at minus 135. He worries me a little bit because he struggled with injuries in Tokyo, falling short of a gold medal. He withdrew from some past events due to what he says is fatigue. So I feel like that's either going to go one of two ways. He's either going to come out swinging literally and feel amazing and sharp. But does any of that concern you if you're wanting to back the Joker? It does, but I kind of agree with you there. I think the fatigue kind of, you know, it hit him hard while Mm -hmm. he was at the Olympics and, and for some of those smaller ATP tournaments. But I think he's going to come back completely refreshed. He knows what's at stake. Um, so I think he does come back looking like the Joker of late, you know, in the last three majors and, and certainly over the last couple of years. So I don't have as big of fear as some, but certainly you have to keep it in mind. Okay, Peter Andrew, thanks so much for always giving us good advice. We'll see how you do. Hopefully another 5-0 and weekend. I love Peter. I feel like I want to replace my business manager with him. Five and oh, he's doing better than my business manager right now. Making Ouch. a little money. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how he does. Five and oh, that's pretty good. He's undefeated last week, but I don't know how much of a tennis fan he is. So we'll see what happens. But that was a great show. I had a great time, Olivia. I always have a great time with you. I did too, my friend. And you got James Lofton to really open up. So well done you. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, you know him personally, so I feel like that was you. I feel like you're the one who opens people up. I'm the one who supports you when you say, get your teeth wet. That's what I'm here to do. (laughs) Remember, people, get your teeth wet and follow (laughs) us at BetMGM on all social media platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast, but especially go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Like Olivia said, we will pick our three favorite and you'll get some money to bet with. And also tell friends, tell friends about the podcast and uh, leave comments and let us know. We love you very much. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.